This podcast is part of the OIW Podcasting Network. It's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Hey wrestling fans, welcome to another edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sean, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. This is episode number 95, and we're getting oh so close to number 100. Going to make some plans for number 100, and hopefully you can be a part of that show, and it'll be a big one. On this week's episode, we're going to look at the Ontario indie wrestling scene, with upcoming events for Smash, Midwestern, and results from last weekend's Border Town Wrestling, plus the rest of the Ontario calendar. We're also going to look back at last weekend's Revolution pay-per-view from AEW and look forward to tomorrow night's Elimination Chamber by the WWE. Thank you again for joining me, whether this is on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. Be right back after these very short messages. Shock Stock 2020 is New Earth's biggest pop culture expo and film festival. The real end is near as the outside world falls into chaos. Word of a sanctuary for mutants, freaks, goblins, and geeks spread throughout the land. Three days of thrills and chills. With screenings, panels, celebrities, workshops, interactive fun, vendors, all-nighter parties, and more. Stay tuned for guest announcements and more info. Hello, what is up everybody? It is Ocho from the Ocho and Ortiz Wrestling Podcast. Home to the best kept secret in the wrestling podcasting community. Our live podcast from Greektown Wrestling and Union Wrestling, we also discuss a lot of other things, WWE, AEW, every once in a while we throw in New Japan and ROH. Be sure you're checking out our show. We are available on most major podcasts and platforms, especially on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and our main source of uploading is Podbean, ochoandortiz.podbean.com. You can also follow us on social media, at Ocho Wrestling on Twitter, at Ocho and Ortiz on Instagram, or facebook.com slash ochoandortiz. We also do have a YouTube page, so be sure you're checking out our content there. Just search for Ocho and Ortiz in the search bar. Now, let's get you back to your regular programming. Hi, I'm the Fireball Kid, Jordan James, and this is the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Welcome back to the show. As always, we start off with the Ontario indie scene and Smash Wrestling. Today, March 7th, Smash Wrestling will be a part of WXW's showcase. The four pillars, Brent Banks, Tyson Dukes, Tarek, and Sebastian Suave, will represent Smash. Other organizations involved include CCW from the U.S., La Triple W from Spain, 
British Empire Wrestling out of the UK, Body Slam Pro Wrestling from Denmark, Wrestling Cult from Germany, and Rising Sun Wrestling from Italy. Well, I wish the Pillars success today with their participation in WXW's event. Plus, Von Vertigo and Psycho Mike Rollins are also over there representing Smash Wrestling in all the events happening with WXW. Domestically here in Ontario, Smash Wrestling will return to St. Thomas on April 19th. Sebastian Suave has once again put out his open challenge. Got to get that money somehow from all his endorsements. And it's going to happen again on April 19th in St. Thomas. Then on Saturday, April 25th, Smash Wrestling will be in Toronto at the Rec Room for night one of Smash versus NSPW. Daniel Garcia takes on Marcus Burke, and the Wonder Boys face off against the Kevin Bennett Experience. Then, the next night, Sunday, April 26th, Smash vs. NSPW Night 2 heads to London at the Music Hall. Tyson Dukes is going to face off against the NSPW Junior Heavyweight Champion Kevin Blanchard, and it'll be Champion vs. Champion as the new as NSPW Champ Matt Angel faces off against Smash Wrestling Champion Kevin Bennett. Tickets for all these events can be found by going to smash-wrestling.com. And we look forward to a busy month in April with Smash Wrestling. But before those events happen, we want to invite you to join us for Midwestern Wrestling on March 28th in Listowel, Ontario at Parkview Gardens. This will be Midwestern Wrestling's second event in company history, and they are sending March out like a lion with Aurora crowning their first ever champion. Will it be the wrestling machine Tyson Dukes or Mr. Punch Kick Chop Tarek? Two pillars of Ontario professional wrestling are going head to head to become the first ever Midwestern Wrestling champion. And you can see who walks away with the gold. On March 28th. The rest of the card will include the Night Train, Justin Sane, taking on the Wavemaker, Kyle Boone. The Muscle, facing off against Canadian Buzzsaw, Corey Stone. Nova faces off against Sabrina Kyle. Psycho Mike Rollins is back by popular demand, taking on the endorsement, Sebastian Suave. And there'll be a triple threat tag team match involving The Revolt, Halal Beefcake, and the team of Nathan Newton and Randy Bino. Tickets officially are on sale at different locations throughout Listable today. So don't miss out on those. They're $15 in advance or a family pack for $40. Also be sure to tune in to Thursday Night Throwdown, Chris Maloney's and my show that happens on Facebook and YouTube on Thursday, March 26th. We'll also have Doug and Clarence coming back with more information on how you can be a part of their second event on March 28th in Listowel. So tune in there and find out how you can join us on the road. Last Saturday, I had the opportunity to hit the road and head over to Fort Erie, Ontario for the second anniversary show of Bordertown Pro Wrestling called Uprising. While I was there, I had a moment to speak to Chris, who is the promoter for Border Town, 
And this seems like it's definitely a dream come true for him. His mom inspired him to go for it. His mom and dad were cooking at the back with some hot dogs and hamburgers. And it's definitely a family-oriented group there at Border Town. The space that they used had a lot of room uh, for growth, and I do wish them success in that. Hopefully we can get some people from the Niagara region to just make the trip down there. Like, it's not that bad of a drive to get to Fort Erie, and with them being right across the border from Buffalo, tapping into that market and bringing in some of the fans there would be really beneficial to them. And I can see a lot of uh, potential as they march forward. Looking at results from the show, though, Brandon Thurston beat Ethan Dukes in the opening contest. Sebastian Suave and the Night Train Justin Sane were scheduled to have a match, and they started to do so until the King of the North, Carter Mason, interfered. El Reverso came out to even up the odds, and oddly enough, just going back for a moment, Border Town is a little bit like Bizarro Land. The guys that we normally boo in places like Midwestern and Smash are fan favorites over here in uh, Fort Erie. So it's a little bit bizarre land because Sebastian Suave was hugely over with everybody and people wanted juice. I don't get the reference. Needed to look into it more, but I didn't figure that one out. But El Reverso ended up coming out to help Sebastian out. This turned into a tag team match with Reverso and Seb teaming together, winning by disqualification because Black Lavender Lionel Knight then came out during the match and caused the DQ for Justin Sane and Carter Mason, and they were ganging up on Reverso and Suave, and that's when Congo Kong ended up coming out and making the save that way. And that's another enigma there. A guy like Congo Kong, especially with Jay Moore in his corner, are fan favorites. And they just, to me, scream heels. And not in this case. They were fan favorites and made the save. And later on, they were going to be out for the main event, defending the championship against Tarek and Scotty O'Shea. Back on the regular part of the card, though, Nova beat Addy Starr, and Nova was uh, playing a heel in this area. Jesse V retained the Adrenaline title in a gauntlet match. Uh, it was a mixture of a Royal Rumble sort of countdown every two minutes-ish, or 90 seconds. And I believe Gabriel Fuerza or Mark Wheeler, one of the two, they were supposed to be in this match as well, but didn't end up showing up. Could have been due to the weather, because we had had a lot of snow going into this uh, show so wherever they were coming from they might not be able to make it but the rest of the field included Corey Stone the Canadian buzzsaw he was eliminated first Space Monkey who a friend of ours Chris Jones brought some bananas for and he even had a snack during the middle of the match Space Monkey did and took his bananas to the back he was eliminated second Shane Saber was eliminated third and came down to Albright against Jesse V. And yeah, I haven't seen Holden Albright for a bit and neither has uh, Chris Jones. And we have to admit, since the first time we had seen Holden Albright at 
Fanshawe College a couple of years ago compared to what he was like last weekend. Wow, there's a huge uh, progress. And I believe I also saw Holden Albright mention that it was somewhat his six-year anniversary since getting into the ring. So there's a lot of growth and success for Holden Albright. And congratulations to him with that. And the future's still limitless for him. Then they had the intermission, gave a little bit of a nod and celebration to Congo Kong and Jay Moore because they've uh, helped Chris with uh, keeping Border Town as popular as it is and been really supportive of them. Congo has actually been the champion there since day one, two years ago. Then they went into intermission and their first match back was Chris Logan taking on Cyrus Bowman and Logan beat Bowman to uh, start the second half. Then it was a tag team match with Tyson Dukes and Tyler Turva taking on the Revolt, who are heels in Border Town. I believe I did see at one point that the students sort of all turned on Tyson. So that would explain why the factory students are considered heels here in uh, Fort Erie. And they put on a really uh, good match between the uh, four guys. And Dukes and Turbo picked up the victory. Then it was the main event. And Congo Kong retained the Border Town title over Tarek and Scotty O'Shea. There's still one other, uh, I believe it's the Niagara Regional uh, Championship that is up in the air without an actual uh, title owner to it. I guess at the last show there was some controversy involving O'Shea and Congo and Tarek, so that's what led to this main event. But the Niagara Regional Championship is being contested and no uh, rightful owner with it right now. Like I said, it was a really good show, and Bordertown Wrestling looks to be having monthly shows. Their next show is going to be also on March 28th in Fort Erie, so you can get your tickets by checking out Bordertown Wrestling if you are anywhere near Fort Erie on March 28th. Now, if you're a fan of the Ontario indie scene like myself and a bunch of our friends are, and you listen to this podcast, be sure to go over to the our Scumbags Wrestling Facebook page, because each and every morning at 7 a.m., we're running down a special Ontario Indie Wrestling March Madness Tournament. It's 31 days of voting to narrow down this year's tournament winner. Last year, it came down to Tyson Dukes and Tarek. This year, who knows what it's going to come down to. On our Facebook page, there's a special video with all the drawings to see what the first round matchups are going to be. But here are the results so far. The tournament started last Sunday with Holden Albright beating Sean Spears. Then Monday, the remix of professional wrestling Kevin Bennett beat Fireball Jordan James. On Tuesday, there was a tie even after extended sudden death voting. And Tarek and Josh Alexander tied with 14 votes each and both advanced to the next round. On Wednesday, Alexia Nicole beat Von Vertigo. On Thursday, Jody Threat beat the Wavemaker, Kyle Boone. Yesterday, Scotty O'Shea beat Gabriel Fuerza. And today, the voting is the Night Train, Justin Sane, 
taking on Red Death, Daniel Garcia. Voting happens until 7 a.m. the next day, so you have a chance to decide between Night Train, Justin Sane, and Daniel Garcia of who's going to advance. The other matchups that are scheduled to happen this coming week that you can vote on include Congo Kong taking on Tyson Dukes, Psycho Mike Rollins against John Greed, Sebastian Suave taking on Nova, Lionel Knight against Casey Spinelli, Beautiful Bia against Carter Mason, and Cody Deaner taking on Kevin Blackwood. As I said, you can join me each and every morning at 7 a.m. on our Facebook page to decide who advances in the tournament to the next round. And don't forget to join us on the Ontario Indie Podcast Network, where we have a bunch of guys under one umbrella presenting their shows with news, information, and event listings. We have the Ontario scene covered, and you won't want to miss out on a single show. Speaking of shows, here's a listing of events coming your way starting tonight, March 7th, until Sunday, March 15th. You'll see John Atlas face Jesse V. Puff defends the Three Pistols Championship against Pretty Ricky and BMD. Gabriel Forza takes on Hot Stepper. Alessandro Del Bruno battles Ridley. Eva Luno faces Holden Albright. The Barry Women's Championship is on the line as Jody Threat defends against Alexia Nicole. And Mark Wheeler puts his Barry Wrestling Heavyweight title on the line against Anton Alexiev. Then tomorrow, Sunday, Great White North Wrestling comes to Hamilton for Sledgehammer in support of the Sledge Hockey Team. Also on Sunday, March 8th, Hamilton Wrestling Entertainment presents Crossroads. There'll be a triple threat match for the television title with Tyler Arrow, Puff, and Johnny D going into battle. In singles action, Mike Forte takes on Pretty Ricky. There'll be two number one contenders matches. The first one has Rip Impact taking on Holden Albright, and the second will see Jake Jones against Stone Rockwell. There'll also be two qualifying matches for the number one contendership to the tag team titles. Raunchy Nuts faces off against Duke and Hawk Henshaw, and the Gym Rats 2.0 step into action against Locked and Loaded. Also tomorrow night, Greektown Wrestling returns to the Danforth in Toronto for Strong Zero, Deathmatch and Strong. Trent Gibson faces off against Puff. Space Monkey battles Marcus Burke. Jordan Oliver goes against Aiden Prince. RJ City faces Daniel Garcia. The Greek Town Championship will be on the line in a triple threat match with Frankie the Beast King, John Atlas, and Bill Collier. And Channing Decker will face Matthew Justice in a death match. Plus, it'll be an appearance by Jock Sampson. He's looking for a second victory and has got an open challenge out. So it's Greek Town Pro Wrestling happening at the Danforth with Strong Zero tomorrow night. Then next week, there's tons of action still to be seen because on Thursday, March 12th, Championship Wrestling from Ontario goes to the Brock Pile for a Thursday Night Slam. Friday night, there's Crossbody Pro Wrestling with showcase number 31 in Kitchener at the Academy. Peterborough Wrestling comes to Peterborough in support of mental health for lift locks and leg drops. BMD faces Gabriel Fereza. The Courage Pro Wrestling tag team titles will be online with the Empire going against Airstrike. Addy Starr takes on Holden Albright. 
Alexia Nicole goes one-on-one with Jody Threat. Mark Wheeler takes on Josh Alexander, plus an appearance by Jesse V, Ridley, Gato Rojo, and Jake Jones with April Jones. On Saturday, March 14th, Junction City Wrestling comes to the Horseshoe Resort in Barrie for Horseshoe Havoc. Ballard's Academy presents Rising Stars in Mississauga. On Sunday, March 15th, Championship Wrestling from Ontario is back at the Rockpile for St. Paddy's Day Brawl. And also, Sunday, March 15th, New School Wrestling is in Hamilton for Hammer at Home. You can check out all the events on their individual websites or also go to my Facebook page and YouTube channel for the Ontario Indie Road Trip. Each and every week we run down the great events happening in Ontario. Whether you have it in your own backyard or hop in a car, train or bus, you're always going to find independent wrestling somewhere in Ontario. Support independent wrestling in Ontario and be sure to catch the Ontario Indie Road Trip on Facebook and YouTube. See the stars of tomorrow being built today at the Tyson Dukes Russell Factory each week on the production line. Available on Facebook and YouTube. Checking in on some wrestling news before we head to AEW and WWE results for the week. Matt Hardy has let his contract with WWE run out. He put on a couple of videos with uh, Free the Delete and Thoughts from the Throne. And he is going to exercise his rights to go to the free agent uh, route. Though, if you see the last episode of Free the Delete, he does appear to be going to AEW because he had Senior Benjamin dig a grave for burying the zenith within him. And as the video is coming to the end, a vehicle comes to the Hardy compound and outstepped. Matt and Nick Jackson, which then Matt said, or Matt Hardy, should I say, said to the young Bucks, Ah, Bucks of Youth, I knew you would come. So it definitely looks like he's going to AEW. After AEW Revolution, Tony Khan ended up speaking with media and said that Colt Cabana is now on the payroll for AEW. He could serve as either a wrestler, commentator, or coach for AEW. Uh, he was part of the buy-in pre-show ahead of uh, Revolution, where he ended up helping out SCU with Dark Order. When asked about his neck tattoo, Cody ended up saying that he's humbled by the run he's had and been on, and he loves the fans. Incredibly lucky man, and it was very simple. He wears a lots of brands. And wants to make sure that his was one of them. And he didn't want to hide it. PCO just recently dropped the Ring of Honor title to Roosh. And it looks like he's going to be out of the scene for a little while. Because Roosh is going to now defend against Mark Haskins. Fight Network has released the latest edition of Diary. Focused on Tessa Blanchard uh, when she was going for the... Championship at Hard to Kill in Dallas, and so you get to see all the behind the scenes of what that entailed leading to the pay-per-view and her win over 
Sammy Callahan. Interestingly, though, to note the controversy that was coming out over Twitter with her uh, potential racist comments and how she bullied other female talent was not addressed in this video, even though it was coming out uh, during the filming of it. If you go over to Kickstarter, there is a campaign being launched by Gail Kim, Christy Hemme, and Amy Dumas, Lita, um, for doing a TV series called Kayfabe, and it's uh, going to, I guess, uh, highlight a you know, woman's perspective of getting into the uh, business of wrestling. It almost seems like a modern-day version of GLOW. And, uh, yeah, they're looking to uh, get some funding for it. Their goal is $400,000 U.S. Uh, just to shoot a pilot episode. There's other people involved with this campaign, including uh, Chavo Guerrero Jr., uh, Alicia Edwards, Jimmy Jacobs, David Sahadi, and uh, former deputy writer Tom Casello. I'm probably messing up his name. But yeah, there is a lot of different levels that you can sponsor this. This is more for bigger, deeper pocketed people than those who are just wrestling fans. But if you happen to hit a lottery, they would definitely appreciate it. The premise of Kayfabe is going to be a one-hour professional wrestling show that is 50% story and 50% in-ring action. It uh, is going to be edgy, racy, cinematic television series about a female professional wrestling startup uh, the show is a dramatization and collection of female stories inspired by real life events so if you get some extra money you can float it over to lita christy and gail vice tv channel has announced that uh, there'll be a season two of dark side of the ring kind of already knew this with some of the topics that were already being interviewed for and know about Chris Jericho, I guess, is going to be doing the narrating of Season 2. The first episode of Season 2 is set to debut March 24th at 9pm on Vice, and it will cover uh, the stuff involving Chris Benoit and the double murder-suicide. Other shows that are supposed to be included in Season 2 include a feature on New Jack, The Brawl for All, the Murder of Dino Bravo, David Schultz's run-in with John Stossel's on 2020, The Death of Nancy Argentino, which was uh, Jimmy Snuka's girlfriend, The Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal, and of course, Over the Edge with uh, Owen Hart's tragic death uh, from 1999 pay-per-view in Kansas City. If you're watching Elimination Chamber tomorrow night, you can also watch a documentary that is focusing on FCW and the stars that came out of it that eventually went to, obviously, NXT because FCW came NXT and who are now leading the rosters on Raw and SmackDown. So it's supposed to happen after Elimination Chamber. This week on WD Backstage, Renee Young had Jeff Hardy on the show, and he has said that he's been actually cleared for a couple of weeks and is just waiting for SmackDown to give him a role to be able to get back on TV. 
And then it was also announced on backstage that the latest inductee into the WD Hall of Fame for 2020, happening on April 2nd in Tampa, is going to be JBL. It had been rumored that it was going to be an induction for him. They finally confirmed it. He was on a segment with Booker T and Mark Henry. So it was all Texans plus uh, Renee from Canada and talking about getting in there. He attributes his teaming with Ron Simmons to being what helped get him basically on the map and also his feud with Eddie Guerrero launching the JBL uh, character that was sort of floundering when it first started. There's been a lot of pressure on WD and other organizations for that matter with the news of the coronavirus being out there and it's spreading and there's a lot of hype from media over the seriousness of it. I'm not totally on board with it. Like we survived SARS. We survived the flu. People die from starvation and cancer more so than this coronavirus. This is just something that's new and is being overhyped, I believe. It's unfortunate people are getting sick. It's unfortunate people are passing away from it. But as I said, there's people passing away from other things every day that don't get the same spotlight. With that said, there's a lot of events being canceled because of this coronavirus. New Japan had to cancel some of their shows coming up. Uh, Some were doing empty arena matches. Some are contemplating whether or not the Olympic Games should be canceled that are happening in Japan. And that's still also looking at WWE and whether or not WrestleMania should be canceled or postponed because of the coronavirus. Currently, WWE's stance is that they are going to continue on. But, of course, like with anything, if the state of Florida, the city of Tampa, the people who run and own the stadium that they're using in Tampa say differently, then, of course, we're going to have a little bit of an issue with WrestleMania. But until then, that is still a go-ahead, and we'll see if anything changes between now and then. Jake the Snake Roberts made his first appearance on a TV show in a long time, and that is going to be with AEW. It looks like he's going to be a manager of some sorts, and we'll find out who he's bringing in. But Jake Roberts, anywhere near a wrestling ring or organization, especially one that is clean and sober, Jake Roberts, he is going to be an asset, and AEW has that in their pocket right now. WD announced that there's going to be a special Austin 316 day on Monday Night Raw, since Monday Night Raw is going to be happening on March 16th. So it's going to be Stone Cold Steve Austin there. They're even going to be a special Broken Skull session after Raw, and that's going to have Brett the Hitman Hart as part of it. I don't know if there's anything more that we can hear about Brett, but at least some banter between Brett and Steve. Uh, maybe we'll find out stuff about their WrestleMania 13 match that we didn't know about their match at Survivor Series, and just maybe the feud with U.S. versus Canada. We'll have to see what goes on with that. But that is happening after Monday Night Raw on March 16th. Even though it was already given away by the arena that Monday Night Raw is going to be in next week in Las Vegas, 
WD has officially announced that Adam Copeland Edge will be on Raw and probably going to be confronting Randy Orton for what happened to Beth Phoenix. Plus himself and lead up to WrestleMania. As a little bit of a spoiler for the NXT UK tapings that just recently happened in Coventry, England, Finn Balor makes an appearance at it, and as I suspected, without giving away a lot of details, it it looks like he's there and it's going to lead to a match with him and Walter at NXT TakeOver UK uh, Ireland that's going to be happening in April. That takeover is actually takeover Belfast. So we'll see that uh, potentially happen and what the fallout is in the upcoming weeks on NXT UK that you can watch on WWE Network. One last final note before getting into the results of AEW and WWE for this past week. There was a scary moment last night at Friday's uh, Impact tapings in Atlanta. Uh, Scott Steiner was there doing some pre-tapes, and he apparently collapsed and was rushed to the hospital. Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful um, was the first one to report it and stated that Steiner was uh, there doing the pre-tapes, and the taping occurred at the Coca-Cola Roxy in Atlanta for uh, the TNA nostalgia theme show, and that will be uh, filmed and airing later on on Access. But there were updates later in the night provided by Scott Demore and Tommy Dreamer with Demore noting that Steiner is okay. Scott Demore's tweet was for all concerned parties, Scott Steiner is okay. His family is grateful for everyone's uh, concern and support. Tommy Dreamer also tweeted that he was at the hospital right now with Scott Demore and Joy Ryan. Steiner is doing uh, doing well and under great care, say a prayer for Big Papa Pump. Holla if you hear me. So Scott Steiner is 57 years old, and he's remained semi-active. We've seen him on NWA Power, and obviously he's going to be doing something with Impact. So hopefully he recovers and can get back to normal living. Whether he is back in the ring, we'll have to wait and see. But he does own a Shoney's in Atlanta. So for his health's sake and life, let's uh, wish Scott Steiner the best. If you enjoy podcasts and wrestling information like we do, join the Ontario Indie Wrestling Podcast Network. We have all of Ontario covered, whether it's interviews, information, or event listings. You can find us on Shaw Style Podcasting, The Weekly Whisper, Straight Talk Wrestling, Thursday Night Throwdown, Gilmy Talks, Ontario Indie Road Trip, Knights of the Squared Circle, Ocho and Ortiz Podcast, Ringside with Chops, Stogie Mania, and the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Across Ontario, we have you covered. It's the Ontario Indie Wrestling Podcast Network. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and online at oiwpodcastnetwork.ca
Are you looking to get into the wrestling business? Well, look no further than the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory, located right here in London, Ontario. It's Tyson has over 20 years of experience in the wrestling world, and he's even been brought down to the WWE Performance Center to be a guest trainer. We've already seen the likes of Jordan James, Kyle Boone, Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Pharaoh Bowman, Chris Mitchells, and many more. Plus, the new generation that are coming from the second group, such as Josh Pine, Shiloh, Nova, Frankie War, and many more. You don't want to miss your opportunity to learn from one of the best in Ontario, if not all of Canada, or the world, in Tyson Dukes. So that's the Tyson Dukes Rust Factory. It's open Monday, Wednesday, and Thursdays. And located at 309 Exeter Road, here in London. You hear the rumble in here? The rumble is the sound of progression and fundamentals are being made at the Wrestling Factory. This is Tyson Dukes. And you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast, y'all. Now let's take a look at the results from this past week with AEW. AEW on Saturday had Revolution on pay-per-view. And it was a really good card, I will say. Most of you have already probably seen it, so I really don't need to run down a lot of what happened, but just give a little bit of impression of what uh, happened. The pre-show match had SoCal Uncensored without Christopher Daniels by their side, taking on the Dark Order. There was a numbers game going on. Colt Cabana made the save. Christopher Daniels came out in a hooded robe, almost like how he was supposed to do when he was supposed to be the higher power in WWE, but that got canceled and tried to fake out that he was part of the Dark Order since they've been hinting at that for a while. And he obviously came to the rescue of his tag team partners and Colt Cabana. It was definitely a decent way to start uh, the show and uh, still leaves us wondering who the Exalted One actually will be for the Dark Order. Then the actual pay-per-view started and Jake Hager ended up beating Dustin Rhodes. I know I picked it the other way, but it kind of makes sense. Jake Hager's uh, first match in AEW and they definitely are playing off of his MMA uh persona and well life in what was a very surprisingly short match because i think they only got about five minutes or so darby allen beat sammy guevara in as i said a rather quick match can only imagine if these guys were given more time even 15 20 minutes how this would have definitely been the match of the night then what was considered match of the night since now Dave Meltzer has given it a six-star rating. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page retained the tag team titles against the Young Bucks. This was a typical match involving the elite guys with a lot of spot monkeyness. I won't say it was a bad match. 
Don't get me wrong, but they need to also tell a story in the ring instead of just constantly being hit with stuff and getting up like they didn't get hit with anything. Just a little bit of a pet peeve of mine right now with how much spot monkeyness and unbelievableness that's going on. Like, as I said, with Pac against Kenny Omega in the Iron Man match, there were so many things hit that should not have been kicked out of and they could have actually counted as a pinfall, but they didn't. This match with the tag team titles also had a lot of that going on. It lasted almost about a half hour. Hangman did not turn on uh, Kenny Omega like people were thinking. And in the end, Omega and Paige ended up walking out together with their tag team titles still intact. Nyla Rose defeated Chris Statlander to retain the Women's Championship. MJF, as predicted, beat Cody. Uh, there was some actual interference going on. Uh, Brandy was down there. Arn, I think, got hit as well, if I recall right. Uh, Wardlow, obviously, was involved. Cody got hit with the uh, ring that uh, MJF has. Cody even came up with this brand new tattoo on his neck. It's his uh, American Nightmare logo. While it's a wonderful logo, and it's his body, kind of an odd place to be putting it. Like, you put Dream across your heart, that's noticeable because, you know, the American Dream was your dad, and it's a great place to be putting it. Great logo for the American Nightmare, but, I don't know, maybe a shoulder, an arm, somewhere that's still cover-upable and look decent as a business person because you're still going to be doing business with different people in your role to help grow AEW. And I think uh, if the American Nightmare logo had been on the, his arm, just like uh, the rock with the Brahma Bowl and stuff like that, it would have been not receiving as much backlash as it is from a lot of fans that saw it and went what is that either way the matchup with Cody and MJF was really good for what it was uh, if you see Dynamite it looks like they've kind of are now moving forward away from those uh, two against each other so this one and done doesn't seem to fit well but we'll probably revisit it later in a surprisingly good match, because a lot of people were having their doubts about it, it did start off a bit comet-wise, but Pac and Orange Cassidy put on a really good contest against each other. Pac did pick up the victory, but yeah, these two against each other again, I'd welcome it. And the main event saw John Moxley take the AEW championship away from Chris Jericho. Now Moxley is the youngest champion in history and Jericho is the oldest champion in history for AEW. But near the end, it got revealed that Mox was not blind as he had been wrestling all the matches lately and including this one with an eye patch since Chris Jericho had poked him in the eye with a spike from his jacket. And Mox is now your new AEW champion. 
This brings us to Dynamite, which had a lot of hype going into it since the pay-per-view a few days earlier. The show started off with Mox in the ring. Well, he came through the uh, crowd to get to the ring to celebrate his championship win. The inner circle with Chris Jericho uh, came out to confront him on stage, and they yelled back and forth. Jericho thought it was unfair and that Mox cheated because Jericho had spent all this time training to go against a guy that had only one eye. Meanwhile, Mox I could see out of both. They acknowledged that the main event for the evening was going to be John Moxley and Darby Allen taking on Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho, but Jericho also promised that Moxley was not going to walk out of there on his own two feet. The first match saw an eight-minute tag with Colt Cabana teaming with SCU to take on the Dark Order, and SCU and Cabana picked up the victory over Dark Order. This really angered Evil Uno, who said this wasn't supposed to happen this way, and said that the Exalted One is closer and closer to getting there. Britt Baker then came out and joined the commentary team and brought Tony another coffee, and she was there to watch Big Swole take on Leva Bates. Big Swole picked up the victory. Cody then came out to address his time with MJF and called MJF out. But instead of Maxwell coming out to uh, see Cody face-to-face, Jake the Snake Roberts came and made his first appearance and debut with AEW. Now, I will say that I was puzzled with Jake's appearance. His hair looks really home barberish because one side looks shaved the back of it is thinning and balding and yeah just totally uneven jake you could tell really missed being in the ring and because he was sniffing the ropes and the turnbuckle and kissing it just like he was so happy to be home in this case with being inside the confines of the squared circle when he finally did uh, speak to cody he said that he is representing somebody who wants to take out Cody. He doesn't want to destroy AEW. He just wants to take out and get Cody's share of the pie. So, And they also reference another dark uh, sort of character and faction. So AEW has this fascination with doing the dark side of things. Because the Dark Order, there was the Nightmare... Uh, family and now what's going on with this so jake was saying about there being a dark side coming to aew and when it takes hold it's going to rise like a phoenix he also mentioned about the fact that it's taken him 20 years to get clean and that he's earned it and he's not going to uh, take time to be a nice boy and play right Jake said he would be on the outside of the ring when his client takes on cody he even invited Cody to bring Arn Anderson with him and kept on referring to Cody as Mighty Caesar. He ended his uh, time in the ring with Cody saying, a wise man once told me, you never turn your back on someone you respect or you're afraid of. Then Jake proceeded to turn away from Cody and toss the microphone back at him. 
And that's how he ended up ending his time with uh, Cody. Um, wonderful promo from Jake Roberts. Never underestimate what he can do. Obviously, he's been the guy forever to do promos. I think it's awesome that Jake is uh, signed and being with uh, AEW. He has a lot to offer the new talent. And, yeah, whether it's behind the scenes, trying to get them to do promos, or just outside, giving his rub that way. Definitely an asset for AEW. Hopefully things work out well for him. And, you know, DDP's done great to keep him clean. So all the best for Jake and AEW with this venture that they're going with. Up next was uh, Pac taking on and beating Chuck Taylor. Orange Cassidy and Trent were at ringside, but that wasn't enough and Pac got the victory. But then there was another confrontation between Orange and Pac. And they then got jumped by the Lucha Brothers and got taken out to the best friends and Orange Cassidy did. That's when Pac got on the uh, microphone and announced that he is forming an allegiance with uh, the Lucha Brothers and they're calling themselves Death Triangle. So sort of another dark gimmick coming with these three together. We saw a video that was recorded earlier in the day with Sean Spears and Tully Blanchard saying that they're still looking for the perfect tag team partner for Spears and want people to reach out to them on Twitter with search for Spears as the hashtag. Be interesting if we could uh, get somebody like Tyson Dukes, who's one of the original Ontario Four Horsemen with Spears, and get that trending and see what happens from there. QT Marshall then was accompanied by Brandy Rhodes and Dustin uh, to go against Inner Circle member Big Hurt Jake Hager. He had Santana Ortiz by his side, and it was really no matchup uh, there. Hager put Marshall to sleep. That's when all hell sort of broke loose after the match, and Dustin went after Hager. Uh, Santana and Ortiz got involved. Cody ended up coming out to try and even the odds, and Matt Jackson even came out to uh, help out with the numbers because the inner circle just kept on be more powerful than who was uh, in the ring with them. Hangman Page came out and he staggered out there, put his drink down, then hit a buckshot lariat to Hager, got up and gave Matt Jackson the middle finger right to his face, grabbed some more beers from the fans and left the area. Then it was the main event time and uh, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara came out to the ring first. Darby Allen made his way out, and as Moxley was coming, he got attacked by three guys in face masks and hoods. He got beat up and taken out to the concourse of the arena, which then they got revealed as being Jake Hager, Santana, and Ortiz. They just beat Moxley down really bad, and Darby Allen wanted to go it still in a handicap match and did a good showing for himself. But unfortunately, the numbers were too much for him. And Darby ended up losing with Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara going over. They had mentioned earlier in the night that if Guevara and Jericho had lost, Jericho was willing to take a 60-day 
break from AEW, and people thought that this was going to be how Jericho ends up leaving to do his tour with his band. Since Fozzie is going on the road in uh, the springtime and more uh, dates are being added, this would be his way out of not being there and doing on tour. So we'll have to see what happens to get him out of AEW next. The ending of the match actually did come with uh, Darby going through the ropes, but got hit with a Judas effect and was done, put back in the ring for Guevara to pin. The inner circle then celebrated in the ring. Moxley appeared at the top of the ramp and uh, coming down with a chair. He hit a paragon shift on Guevara before Hager took out Moxley and the inner circle outnumbered Moxley and they took him up the ramp and powerbound him off the uh, ramp through a table and then posed with their middle fingers but together almost mocking the shield at the same time because they did a... Triple power bomb. Well, it was more like five of them instead of three, but they did the whole triple power bomb uh, shield thing. The show went off there with Jim Ross saying, "My God, what has the inner circle done to the champion?" And the inner circle has never been more dangerous. If you're looking for a great independent wrestling happening in our province of Ontario. Look no further than Ontario Indie Road Trip. It's available on Facebook and YouTube, and we run down all the great events happening in this province. Whether you get in a car, bus, or train, there's a show near you. Support independent wrestling and the Ontario Indie Road Trip. Tyson Dukes is currently one half of the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions and one of the pillars of wrestling in Ontario. He's had a very impressive career over the past two decades, and it's only natural that aspiring wrestlers would want to learn from a veteran of his caliber. Since October of 2017, Tyson opened up the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory here in London, Ontario. Students learn all aspects of wrestling. The first graduates like Jim Strider, Violet Lee, and Jordan James are making their names for themselves on the indie scene. Whether you're a student or a supporter, you can now be a part of the club and purchase your own beautiful zip-up hoodie. They're just $40 up to extra-large and $45 for larger sizes. Contact Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory directly on Facebook to order yours today. I'm Kyle Boone, one handsome SOB, and you're listening to the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Looking at some quick results from WWE this week, Monday Night Raw started off with Drew McIntyre confronting Brock Lesnar. He even hit a couple of claymores on Lesnar and finished off the segment holding the championship above his head at the top of the ramp. It was a now-or-never uh, opportunity for the Street Profits to take on the tag team champions Seth Rollins and Murphy. And with a little help from some distractions and a stunner from Kevin Owens, the Street Profits are now the new Raw Tag Team Champions. After being utterly destroyed by Brock Lesnar in under two minutes in Saudi Arabia, Ricochet lost again to 24-7 champion Riddick Moss. 
So I'm not sure what's going on with uh, Ricochet. They seem to have lost confidence in him and are throwing him away again. So he's joining people like uh, Cedric Alexander and others that were hyped and then done with. It was supposed to be a one-on-one match with AJ Styles against Alistair Black. It turned out that Black had to go through the OC first to get to AJ Styles. So first, Black ended up beating Carl Anderson. Luke Gallows got himself disqualified, but got a, a good beatdown on Black beforehand. And then it was AJ stepping into the ring and defeating Alistair Black. This was actually Black's first loss. Uh, especially since being ca- called up to the main roster and being in singles action. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do with Alistair Black going forward if he's another victim like Cedric Alexander and Ricochet, who have good uh, battles with AJ but then get thrown to the curb. Then there was a match involving the Riot Squad with Liv Morgan taking on Ruby Riot and Sarah Logan was the special guest referee. Liv Morgan picked up the victory, but in the end it was Sarah Logan who stood tall over her former tag team mates. Backstage, No Way Jose approached Eric Rowan and asked what's in the cage and Rowan's like, oh, finally somebody's asking me. And he reached into the cage and it was... A huge spider, more like an animatronic spider, but a huge spider nevertheless that Rowan's been carrying around with him. So I don't know what goes on beyond this now that we've revealed what's in the cage. Maybe he stops bringing the cage, and that's their lame way of ending the story, just like with Mae Young being pregnant and it turns out to be a rubber hand. So this could be Eric Rowan's rubber hand being a spider. It was originally scheduled to be Asuka taking on Shayna Baszler, but I guess there's an injury going on with Asuka and her arm, so she was not able to compete on Raw, so Carrie Zane, her tag team partner of the Kabuki Warriors, ended up taking her space. Didn't matter. Shayna Baszler defeated Carrie Zane and showed some dominance, and Becky Lynch came out. There was a big brawl between them. Uh, Becky was wearing a crown and a fur coat and glasses. I don't know if they're just trying to make the man now very obnoxious, but totally uh, escaped from what it had been uh, before. And they still continue to telegraph the fact that Shayna Baszler is going to win the Elimination Chamber tomorrow night. Rey Mysterio and Humberto Carrillo defeated Andrade and Angel Garza. In tag team uh, match, Randy Orton confronted Beth Phoenix during her uh, update on Edge's uh, medical condition. People are still wondering why Randy Orton did what he did. And he basically explained that he did it because he cares about Beth and the children that they have. And after everything that Adam went through, and showing him how to be a good human being. He didn't want this ruined by Adam coming back to the ring. And so taking out Edge himself is showing how much he cares for Edge and his family. And he also recalled his first meeting with Edge 
uh, in like 99-ish. So yeah, that didn't set well with Beth, who ended up slapping uh, Randy across the face. Randy got back in her face and without yelling into the microphone, mouthed, you bitch, to her and then hit her with an RKO. It's been announced that Edge is actually going to return this Monday on Raw. So we'll have to see what actual condition Edge is in, whether he's recovered from everything that Randy's done, or if he's not and he's just getting there because now he wants revenge for what happened to his wife. We'll wait and see what happens this Monday. Over on NXT on Wednesday night, they guaranteed that they were going to start and finish the show with a steel cage match. The first match was Tegan Knox taking on Dakota Kai. And Dakota Kai ended up getting the victory thanks to some outside interference from Raquel Gonzalez, who ended up closing the door on Tegan Knox as she was trying to climb over the side of the cage. And that allowed Dakota Kai to come through the doorway and hit the floor first. There was a qualifying match for the number one contendership Leitner match that's going to happen at TakeOver Tampa, and Chelsea Green defeated Shotzi Blackheart to earn her way into the ladder match. Cameron Grimes had come out to uh, confront Keith Lee and challenge him to a North American title match, so this will probably happen at TakeOver. There's a tag team match with the Undisputed Era, O'Reilly and Fish, defeating Danny Birch and Only Lurkin. Then Undisputed Era got on the microphone and were talking about wanting to get their tag team titles back from the Broserweights. The Broserweights ended up coming out. They started uh, talking back and forth, but then they got jumped from behind by the grizzled veterans. The grizzled young veterans, should I say. And they want a shot at those titles as well. Austin Theory defeated Isaiah Swerve Scott. Then in the main event, it was Roger Strong taking on Velveteen Dream. Dream has been targeting Marina Shafir, which is uh, Roger's wife. She was at ringside and even uh, threw in a kendo stick into the match to help heighten the violence that was going to happen. It looked like for a moment that Dream was going to hit a purple rainmaker off the top of the cage, but that's when Undisputed Era came out to interfere and... Stopped that all from happening. The match returned inside the ring. But Adam Cole ended up in there. Which then. Dream took it upon himself. To get rid of. Uh, Roderick Strong. Through the door and locked it behind him. Leaving the NXT champion. Adam Cole and himself. In the cage by themselves. And that's when. It seemed to be that was his. New target for the Dream. And Dream hit. Cole and others with the kendo stick and throwing Cole into the cage to knock off uh, Fish and O'Reilly. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough. Velveteen Dream ended up hitting a Dream Valley driver on Cole on a steel chair. Plus then, uh, Dream picked up the title and scaled the cage one more time and raised the title above his head as the show came to an end. So it looks like now Velveteen Dream wants a title shot at Adam Cole, which could happen at TakeOver Tampa as well. 
which now takes us to last night and SmackDown. We saw a video package to start off the show with The Fiend challenging John Cena to a match at WrestleMania after John had said he wasn't going to be a part of WrestleMania. Wanted to leave it up to younger guys, but was so quick to say yes when The Fiend pointed to the sign. Um, then a moment of bliss with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross happened. They brought out the NWO, or at least Wolfpack members, Hall, Nash, and Waltman. They joined for a little bit of talk. Alexa asked uh, Kevin Nash that since he was the first person to defeat Goldberg in the streak, what does Roman Reigns have to do to defeat Goldberg at WrestleMania? And Kevin laughed and said, well, he needs Scott Hall and a shock stick. Honestly, this seemed like a really badly produced segment. I I, I don't know. It, it just felt really flat, especially with some of the comments. Like I wondered what Sean Waltman wanted to be called and Scott Hall was just laughing away and Kind of almost have to say thank you to Sami Zayn for coming out along with Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro to stop uh, the interview. Uh, they got in uh, the NWO's face and it looked like they were about to fight. And then Sami and Nakamura and Cesaro decided to leave. As they were trying to leave, Strowman came down and basically destroyed them all and posed with the NWO to end the segment. And actually going back just a uh, second uh, before that, Sami Zayn was going to be gotten by Braun Strowman and he ended up hiding behind Alexa Bliss. They're still playing off, I guess, the whole friendship or potential relationship, uh, depending on what news sites you believe, between Bliss and Strowman. But Sami was able to hide behind Alexa Bliss, throw her into Strowman, and escape with his life intact. And that's when they posed with the NWO. There was a tag team match with Lacey Evans and Naomi teaming together to get, take on the Boston Hug Connection, or Bailey and Sasha Banks. And Bailey and Sasha Banks picked up the victory when Bailey distracted Naomi from doing her split legged like moonsault onto Sasha. And Sasha hit the Meteora and packaged up Naomi for the victory. There's a backstage segment with Apollo Crews and Shorty G. They're still not on the same page, and Shorty just wants to eliminate uh, Sheamus, and Apollo doesn't want Shorty's help. But Sheamus defeated Apollo Crews in a very quick match. Carmella and Dana Brooke took on Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, Fire and Desire. It uh, looks like Sonya Deville had invited Dolph Ziggler to come out and join them. And this was a decent tag team match with Fire and Desire picking up the victory. And then they celebrated with Dolph Ziggler. There was a point where Otis then was backstage with Tucker. Approached Mandy to apologize for being late. But he still protests that, or attests that he got a text message saying that she was going to be late, and that's why he was late. And he, as I said, tried to apologize. And unfortunately, Mandy didn't want anything to do with it. He said, She said it was too little, too late, and you don't stand up somebody like her. So it's obviously being telegraphed that Sonya Deville 
sent Otis the message from Mandy's phone and caused him to be late, sent Dolph there, and is behind this whole love triangle that's going on with Dolph Ziggler, Mandy Rose, and Otis. So I see, obviously, in the future, this being a way that Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose split from each other. It'll be some sort of possible jealousy angle. I don't know uh, how they're going to explain it, but it's going to come out that way that it's Sonya all behind this. Then there was a Firefly Funhouse where Bray Wyatt addressed why he's challenging John Cena to a match at WrestleMania. The bunny ended up coming up and explaining why and said that it all is based on where John Cena six years ago defeated Bray at WrestleMania and I guess started this downward spiral in a way and created The Fiend and the Firefly Funhouse and everything. So it's all being attributed back to John Cena six years ago with that uh, loss that Bray Wyatt had. And this is why Bray might forgive John Cena, but The Fiend doesn't and wants to avenge himself. Then the main event of the evening had a gauntlet match with the six tag teams that are going to be involved with the Elimination Chamber, which is happening tomorrow. And this was a opportunity to be the last team to be released from a pod and enter the match. Tucker and Otis, the heavy machinery, they started off the match with the New Day. They took out New Day. Then they took out uh, Lucha House Party. They surprised the Usos and took them out. And then they faced off against the tag team champions, Miz and Morrison. They surprised them by uh, suddenly beating Morrison. They got beat up, Heavy Machinery did, before Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode ended up coming out. Otis was put through the barricade before uh, Dolph and Roode came out. And so that left Tucker to get uh, beat up. Otis did uh, start making a comeback. And it looked as though Otis and Tucker, Heavy Machinery, were going to run the gauntlet and be the last team to uh, come out of the pods. And that didn't happen with Dolph Ziggler pinning Otis. And this also plays into the whole story with Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. So now Dolph and uh, Rude will be the last team released on Sunday in the tag team title match. This is all leading to tomorrow night with the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. Shockstock 2020 is coming to the Ramada London on May 1st to the 3rd, the new Earth's biggest pop culture expo and film festival. The real end is near as the outside world falls into chaos, word of a sanctuary for mutants, freaks, goblins, and geeks spreads throughout the land. It's three days of thrills and chills with screenings, panels, celebrities, workshops, interactive fun, vendors, and all-nighter parties. See special guests like James Lawrence, Mike Lackey, B.A. Johnson, and Sadie Katz. Shockstock 2020 is brought to you by Shockstock, Twisted Tees, Rotten Rags, and Taboo Textiles. For tickets and booking information, go to growtix.com.
Shockstock 2020. You don't want to miss it. Hello. Do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast? Well, give me a shout at our email address, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast. We'll give your business a shout out, including information on how people can reach out to you and information on your services. This is Jim Strider, live from the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Now let's take a look at what's going to happen tomorrow night during the Elimination Chamber on WD Network. This is definitely not a top-notch pay-per-view to look forward to, gotta be honest. There was more star power on Saudi Arabia show last week than there is going to be Tomorrow night, it seems to be setting up just the undercard for WrestleMania mainly. And we'll go from there because a lot of the main stuff has been set up already for WrestleMania. So last night on SmackDown, Daniel Bryan ended up overhearing Drew Gulak talking to Drake Maverick about Daniel's weaknesses and said that if Drew knows all his weaknesses so well, He is inviting him to go to the ring on Sunday and face him to see if he's right. So there's going to be a Daniel Bryan versus Drew Gulak match. Andrade is going to defend the U.S. Championship against Humberto Carrillo. I'm going to go with Carrillo actually taking the title this time from Andrade. Aleister Black against AJ Styles. This is the problem with this one. It is a no disqualification match. If AJ wins, it's great because you know they're getting ready for him against Undertaker. But if Aleister Black loses, this just looks really bad for him now twice in a row losing. Um, unfortunately, I do have to go with AJ Styles picking up the victory uh, because it makes more sense with him Going forward with Undertaker, obviously the OC is going to get involved. Yeah, it'll just be a really big brawl. I don't know who's going to come out to help Aleister Black unless there's a tag team that's going to make their way out there and help out against the OC. The Street Profits, Dawkins and Ford, are going to defend the WWE Raw tag team titles against Seth Rollins and Murphy. I see the Street Profits retaining. Somehow in this, Kevin Owens is going to get involved, and this is going to further their uh, feud with his feud with Seth Rollins to get to WrestleMania. Braun Strowman is going to defend the Intercontinental Title in a three-on-one handicap match against Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaro, and Sami Zayn. With the numbers, it looks like the title should be switching, but with what happened the uh, last night with Alexa Bliss, somehow I see her possibly getting involved. Uh, there's got to be somebody that's going to come out and help Strowman out somehow, I can see. And Strowman's going to somehow retain the championship. 
Then there's two elimination chambers. The easy one to talk about is Natalia, Liv Morgan, Shayna Baszler, Asuka, and Ruby Riot, plus Sarah Logan in the uh, women's elimination chamber for the number one contendership for the Raw women's title at WrestleMania. Any result other than Shayna Baszler winning would be a surprise to me. Um, there has been rumor that maybe Vince isn't so happy with Shayna Baszler and her look and whatever, but I see no other solution than Shayna Baszler coming out with the victory for the women's uh, elimination chamber. As for the one for the men's, this is going to be a tag team affair. Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode are going to be the last team to be released from the pods. Miz and Morrison are defending the titles. I can see Heavy Machinery starting off the uh, Elimination Chamber because that will be a lot easier for them to not have to be put into a pod. In the end, I can see Miz and Morrison retaining their tag team titles. So like I said, this one really doesn't have a huge amount of star power. Seth Rollins is probably their top star and maybe AJ uh, and Dana Bryan, but they're not in prominent matches that say I'm a main eventer. Um, a lot of those guys are taken care of already. So this is happening tomorrow on the WD Network. What would be really pleasant to see is that this is a surprisingly good pay-per-view that people are going to underestimate and wish that they'd gone back to see. We'll have to wait and see what happens with that one. Then, this is leading us towards WrestleMania week. And yes, I definitely say week because on Thursday of WrestleMania is going to be the Hall of Fame, which we know that the NWO, Hall Nash, Waltman, and Hulk Hogan are going to be inducted. We got Batista being inducted, the Bella Twins, and it was announced also this week on WD Backstage that JBL is going to be inducted as well. There's a couple other rumored uh, people, including the Bulldog, getting their nod this year. We'll have to wait and see until that's officially announced. But that's happening Thursday of WrestleMania week, which I believe is going to be April 2nd. Then the third is going to be SmackDown. The fourth is going to be NXT TakeOver. Currently, the only thing that is listed officially is that there's going to be a ladder match to determine the number one contendership for the NXT women's title, and Chelsea Green is already in. We'll find out the rest over the next couple of weeks. One can speculate that, obviously, people like Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai could be in there, Bianca Belair. I'm not sure if Io Shirai is available. So, over the next couple of weeks, there'll be more qualifying matches to fill out that match. We're probably going to see Velveteen Dream against Adam Cole, Cameron Grimes against Keith Lee, probably some sort of uh, triple threat tag team title match coming up, and, of course... Gargano against Ciampa, which has been tried a couple times to do during a WrestleMania weekend and due to different injuries hasn't been able to happen. This year it looks like it's going to happen. And that's the Saturday night of the 
WrestleMania week on the 4th, leading to WrestleMania, which is happening on Sunday, April 5th. Officially, WrestleMania has five matches announced for it. Becky Lynch taking on the winner of the Elimination Chamber tomorrow for the Raw Women's Championship. John Cena is going to take on The Fiend Bray Wyatt. Goldberg defending the Universal Championship against Roman Reigns. Rhea Ripley defending the NXT Women's Championship against the winner of the Royal Rumble this year, Charlotte Flair. And, of course, Brock Lesnar defending the WWE Championship against the Men's Royal Rumble winner, Drew McIntyre. So, there's bound to be at least, I would say, nine more matches included with this card, just because WrestleMania goes from, like, 5 p.m. until almost midnight, and they got to fill it out, um, especially with a match like Goldberg and Reigns. That's going to be a quick one, probably, because Goldberg can't really go too far and for having intense, uh, long matches. He has done a little bit longer matches, but not too much. So, filling out those, there's going to be, obviously, the Battle Royals for the men's and women, and there's bound to be a couple more title matches. There's going to be Undertaker uh, thrown in there. So over the next couple of weeks, they'll finish out that card, and that'll happen on April 5th. Granted, I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Concludes another edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Whether you listen to us on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere else, I sincerely thank you for being a part of this adventure. Share this with your friends. Let's grow. And also check out the Ontario Indie Wrestling Podcast Network. There's a whole bunch of podcasters together covering Ontario with information, interviews, and event listings. You'll never be in the dark here in Ontario when you tune into the Ontario Indie Podcast Network. Next week, I'll be back with more information on the Ontario scene and results from t- tomorrow night's Elimination Chamber leading into WrestleMania. Until next week, have a good one.